0: This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at nissanusa.com. Hold fast to dreams, for if dreams die, life is a broken winged bird that cannot fly. That's a quote from Langston Hughes. Welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms, to fill your life, with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. Hope this show finds you safe and healthy today. I know not many people are traveling right now and we're at home, but hey, I can still bring some travel into your ears and we can keep those hopes and dreams alive for the day that we will travel again. And I talked about that in the last show I recorded and kind of addressed the situation going on. So if you want to listen to that, you can just dig into the archives and do that. And... What I wanted to do going forward, taking into account everything that's going on in the world right now, is to just reprioritize the interviews I've already recorded and put out some helpful content that can help you right now in this quarantine situation that we're all in, where we're kind of disconnected in in a strange way that we're not used to as humans. And I know a lot of people are all of a sudden maybe working remotely for the first time or working from home. And I thought, well, it would be great to bring on my friend Jen, who I was trying to schedule an interview with anyway. She spent 10 years living nomadically with her husband and her four kids, traveling around in the beginning. They were doing it in a tent. They were doing this before terms like digital nomad and remote worker even existed, I think. So really, a true expert on remote work and homeschooling, world schooling, all that stuff that's going on right now that people are finding themselves... A lot of people are finding themselves in this situation More. wow, I'm home, my kids are home, I'm working from home. Uh, I, I have to balance this with making sure my kids are caught up on their schoolwork. It's an entirely new situation for a lot of people. So anyway, I thought... She's got a lot of value to bring to you today with what's going on. And we talk about all of that and much more, including productivity and balance and travel and all that good stuff that you love. So I'm excited to share this with you. I know you're going to find a lot of value in this. Whether you have kids or not, there's something for everybody In this conversation, I'm excited to share it. And I'm also very grateful for those of you who have taken the time to check in via email. Let me know how you're doing and give me some updates and some feedback on the last show I recorded, where we talked a bit more about this situation. And before we get into the interview with Jen, I do wanna say a quick thank you to, again, everybody who's reached out via email. And I'm gonna highlight one of you here and one of you after the interview. But I want to say a quick thanks right here to Lisa, who said, Hi, Jason, I've been listening to your podcast for a couple months now. It's awesome. Uh, I'd love to hear you use your reach and expertise now to help people during this pandemic with tips on working from home, finding online work, and keeping in contact with others while not in physical proximity. I know a lot of people are struggling with the sudden change in their lives while digital nomads have already been doing a lot of these things and have valuable information to offer. I realize the transition to social distancing was far less difficult for a digital nomad than many of those in more traditional jobs. I know you have many episodes on this, but maybe now is a good time to reiterate those things. I'd love to be able to point some of my friends and family to these topics during this time it seems many are now becoming digital workers unexpectedly thanks for all you do to make our global community a better place best lisa thank you lisa such kind words and uh i tell you when i get these emails especially now it's it really keeps me going and you guys all know this is a community-powered show and this show is here for you so keep the suggestions coming Keep, uh, keep any of the emails that you want to send coming, even if you're just checking in, updating me on how you're doing. Uh, really love to hear from each and every one of you. And thanks, Lisa. And ask and you shall receive. That uh, is the genesis of this entire interview was to talk with somebody who not only worked as a digital nomad remotely, but did it with four kids so we could touch on some of the homeschooling things and the balance between that and all that type of stuff. So I hope that you find this interview helpful, everybody in whatever your situation. And I'm thinking about y'all. I'm thinking about you, y'all. I don't know why I use y'all. I'm not from Texas or the South. I grew up in the Northeast, outside of Philadelphia. We don't use y'all. So anyway, but I like y'all. It kind of, y'all, what's up, y'all? It's just kind of, yeah, it says it all, y'all. It says it all, y'all. Uh, so anyway, I hope y'all enjoy this interview. And I will see you on the other side with another shout out and a small tip for you to, brighten your day or maybe one way you can brighten your day today if you're feeling down or if you're feeling up brighten it a little more so stick around for that i'll see you on the other side thanks my friend yes. Turn the way. Guys, guys. i'm excited to welcome to the show jen who has a a very deep experience in travel. She's raised four children while traveling full-time for more than a decade, and she's traveled to more than 50 countries and six continents. Is also the co-founder of the Travel Access Project, which provides grants for gap-year travel. The recipients have been primarily women, many of them minorities, and she's also heavily invested in the family travel community. And with all this travel stuff, there's so much to talk about but we are in the midst of the, the COVID-19 right now. So we're going to focus on some other topics that may be more relevant to you that are related to our travel experience. Anyway, uh, Jen, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend.
1: Thank you so much, Jason. It's really fun to be back. I appreciate you having me.
0: Yes, you have been on uh, prior. And you know it's, I've always tried with this show to just make the content evergreen so anybody could go through the feed and get value on any episode that they're interested in, so I never, I always kind of steered clear of current events. But this one is, I mean, it, it's just a new reality. It's impossible to not talk about because it's, it's, it, it can't not be related to to our discussion and everything that we're talking about. I Me, mean, how are you feeling right now as we're recording this? It's March eighteenth, twenty twenty. I'm in Norway. Where are you?
1: I am on an island in Canada in the St. Lawrence River. So,
0: it's about halfway between Toronto and Montreal. And this is my home base. Okay. And we're both in the travel industry. And I was looking at this email that I got just a few weeks ago where we were setting this up. And it was like reading an email from another dimension. <laughs> you know? Right. We're just like, hey, let's talk about volunteerism. Let's talk about, you know, this, that, and the other. And now today we're going to focus on. I think remote work tips is a good topic because you've had a lot of experience with that working with your kids around, or if you don't have kids with just handling distractions from working at home. And for you, maybe at home was Airbnbs or things like that when you're on the road, but I'm sure you've, you have a lot to offer. Um, we can talk about balance uh, and um, maybe getting some homeschooling tips. So it's, uh, how are you doing? Every, are you safe? How are you feeling? What's uh, <laughs> what's happening?
1: I'm definitely safe. You know, I I live in in actually one of the the perfect places in the world for for things like this. You know, we're on an island that has a ferry boat to get to it. So, you know, we practice social distancing as a a way of life here. So things are not changing massively for us. As you pointed out, you know, I've worked remotely for a lot of years. So that's not the transition for me. My entire career has been built around that. Um, I no longer have little kids who live at home. I have one uh one seventeen, almost eighteen year old who still hangs around a bit. But, you know, I'm I'm through the, the homeschooling of my kids segment of it. So I've been doing my best to try to help other people to figure out how to slap a homeschooling band-aid on their their, you know, public school kids while they're being forced to keep them home right now. Um so in the grand scheme of things, things are fine, but you know, like everyone else, um the last two weeks have sucked. You know, my income dropped by 30% last week because two of my projects were put on holes. Um, And, you know, my my primary project, of course, I work full time with Tortuga Backpacks as their content manager. And we've been having conversations hand over fist the last week about uh, what this means for the business moving forward, for travel moving forward, for us specifically, and, you know, battening down the hatches so that we can we can get through winter, as we're calling it, you know, with the, the Game of Thrones, winter is coming. Well, winter is here, particularly for the travel industry.
0: <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah, it's um, everybody has their own individual situation they're dealing with right now, of course. And um, the ones that are affected by their health is, of course, a, a, the biggest concern. But um, then there's also the mental health of people that are m- maybe in... We may be in isolation or social distancing thing. Like we said, we don't know how long this is going to go on. This is why I always try to avoid current events because a lot of it's speculation. But again, right now, this is a new reality. And I think we have to talk about how this uh, impacts us all. And who knows when people will be ready to travel again. I mean, Even if things are open up, psychologically, will people be ready to travel? It seems like this is the kind of thing that, from my understanding, that can... Of course, it, it might go away for a period of time, but can resurface. So, anyway, this is the health podcast. We're we're gonna give some. Uh, we're gonna get into some tips today, right? Because let's talk about traveling the world for with four kids for a decade. Okay, I mean, that's <laughs> um. That's not something that most people would choose and, and think they could stay sane doing, right? Like cause you, know
1: I have, you can say it's crazy a it, little you bit. I mean, use well, all right, here's <laughs> the deal,
0: because I have like a point of reference for this now, right? Because I have two small kids, one's almost four and one's almost two, and you know what? Right now in my life, to be honest, it's. I mean, we can't go anywhere right now anyway, but it's just a kind of a hassle to be traveling around with them. Like it's just easier not to travel and just kind of think, all right, when they get a little bit older, we'll do some more extensive traveling because the trips I've taken with them have been fun, but also a bit exhausting and getting work done. Ha ha, ha, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Well, you know, if it makes you feel better, Jason, we didn't take off traveling full-time with our kids until our youngest was five.
0: Okay, yeah. So that', that my get my head around. the ages
1: that yours are, I was in one place working on surviving because I had four under four at one point, which you know that's a special kind of crazy. I I understand, and I you know just peace to you and (laughs) cut yourself some slack and it'll be okay. You'll get through it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) All right. So you took off when they were. What were the ages when you took off?
1: Yeah. Well, we didn't. You know, first of all, we didn't set off as, to to become lifestyle travelers to travel for ten years. We set off to take a one year gap year with our kids in two thousand eight. They were five, seven, nine, and eleven. And our Goal was to ride our bicycles from London, England, to Africa and back over a year, uh, which we did. And during that time, of course, the economy crashed. You know, the last big recession hit that first year while we were traveling. And we woke up in Italy one day, camped in our tent. And my husband rolled over and said, "Um, yeah, I think our money is gone. And I said, excuse me? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because you know, that was we had sold our house, we'd sold everything we owned. We were off on this adventure. We had a, a clear plan for it and a clear return plan. And all of that of course went out the window, but in retrospect, and you know, this is one of the things that I've been talking with my adult kids about actually just this morning was, um, in retrospect, that was one of the best things that happened to us. It definitely sucked at the time. Like it sucked bad because you got four little kids and then all of a sudden the rug just pulled out from under you. Um, but it forced us to get creative. It forced us to ask some fundamental questions about what it was that we actually wanted out of our careers and out of our family life and how we should best build that. And I, you know, I clearly remember my father-in-law saying, well, don't come home because there are no jobs here. And, you know, we were like, oh my gosh, what do we do? So through that process,
0: um, where was, was home a, at the time?
1: The home, home was the United States. We, had, we lived for about 15 years in the U S and so we had left everything. We'd sold everything in New Hampshire. Um, and, but, you know, that, that caused us to recreate our careers online, to change what we were doing, to give ourselves more flexibility. Uh, just three weeks ago, I was talking to Patrick, who I work with at Tortuga, about, you know, lessons that I had learned in the last economic downturn, one of which was diversify your income streams so that you don't have all your eggs in one basket. And the, you know the, the conversation was happening in the context of me just recently agreeing to go full time at Tortuga. To a guy worked part-time there for a long time. And he said, Well, what you know, what caused you to finally be willing to, to take that risk to put all your eggs back in one basket? And I said, Well, because I really believe in this company and I think we're building it properly, and I believe that it is, you know, going to be recession proof and we'll be here for a long time. So I, I'm willing to do that. I said, But uh, you know, I'll always be the kind of person that sort of hedges my bets and has a few extra things going because that was the lesson that those of us who were sort of in our 30s when the the last downturn happened learned was when your income stream dries up it's dire um and so here we are again right and what are we going to learn this time so i'm yeah you know, i'm looking at this while it feels terrible right now as another probably turning point of growth for many of us um and an opportunity to ask some fundamental questions about what we're doing you know, my uncle dick always said that you ask three questions in a crisis you ask, who am i what's going on here and what is the next appropriate course of action? And so you know, those have always been guiding questions for me. But certainly in times like this, we, have, we all have sort of a forced few weeks of reflection right now. And I think that there's an opportunity for us to really grow through this.
0: Those are three powerful questions. And I could see, as you were laying that out, I could see the parallels with your experience, what happened then, and what you guys experience now, what many are probably identifying with now, w- within a different setting, right? They might not be crawling out of a tent in Italy, uh, yeah, on a world tour, but it's like an overnight. Things might a lot of things might be gone for people. I, I think I wanted to pick out the word opportunity. That's the one that I'm always like, if I can distill something down to one word that keeps me kind of in a positive mindset for me right now. How I'm getting back to that positive mindset if I if I'm undulating, I guess, which I think all of us are, is uh, opportunity and trying to look for what, what's the opportunity in a time like this uh, for self, self-growth, for time with my family. There are opportunities within these moments where we can take them, I think, and do something with them that is human, is... Um, yeah.
1: Growth-oriented for everyone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And can, yeah. And can also serve other people. You know, if you're thinking in that way, then you guys started reinventing your, your careers. And were you always a writer? I know you manage content. You do a lot of writing. Was that something that you fell into or something you always did?
1: I've always written, but I've not always written professionally. Uh, My degree actually was in education. I'm a teacher, uh, K through eight, all subjects and seven through nine social studies. So, um, yeah, I opted quite early not to, not to do that. my career for a number of reasons but I during that time in 2008 you know we just started like okay what can we do where should we be putting our energy what makes us happy and so that was when I started doing a lot of freelance writing within the travel space that was my first step and then I moved from that to doing some editorial work and some content management for uh, for brands and you know just it's so interesting because the travel community is is so small in the grand scheme of things and so many of us sort of know each other and and work together and hold hands on various projects and so one really relationship led to another, which is what led me to Tortuga ultimately. Um, And, and, you know, and alongside that, of course, then I was still working within the homeschooling world schooling community because, you know, you mentioned service in a time like this, and that's a, a core value for me in general. Um, and one of the places that I really enjoy serving and that I think I can add value is, is within this context of alternative education, and all of the many ways that there are to get a child through and to get them educated. And, you know, my kids didn't go to school on purpose from the beginning ever until they went to university and the three of them that are through, uh, all got accepted to their first choice of university very easily. And I think it's really because of their alternative education and the world schooling we did. And, um, our fourth kid is, uh, he's already training to be a pilot. That's what he wants to do. And so he'll, he'll, starts more formal training for that in about a year, probably. But, you know, one of the things that I learned through this process with my kids was what an advantage it is to be raised outside the box, even when it comes to existing within the infrastructures that that we're all used to. You know, the universities are so excited to find kids who have a world-class education but have a very different perspective. So um, I, I spend a lot of time working with families on, you know, finding ways to meet the needs of their unique and individual children while at the same time following their dreams while at the same time not sacrificing the quality of the education or their long-term opportunities. And that's fun. I just enjoy that.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's a topic we're going to get into unconventional schooling. I think a lot of people are probably dealing with that right now and trying to understand what that means. And
1: I feel so badly for people who are thrown into the deep end of the pool right now.
0: <laughs> well, maybe it takes just a little bit of... Uh, Coaching from you to kind of get get the mind around it a bit. Uh, we'll get there. I wanted to before we kind of skip over the the reinventing yourself. That's that's a thing that I keep thinking about right now. Is wow, um, I'm looking at it right now. I mean, I work in the travel industry, and I, I mean, I've always had an awareness of the things that I do and the work. It's like, all right, well, can I, you know, am I making a, a good impact here? Should I be going in this direction or that direction? You know, kind of just reassessing regularly. But I think this is uh, ramps things up to a whole other level. And for some people, it it kind of puts it right smack dab into their face. Like they might not have a choice. They have to reinvent um, their lives or their work. So I wanted to hear some tips from you. I mean, tips is like such a light word. It's like, you know, it's like reading one of those blog posts where you get like 10 tips. It's like, all right, well, this is much... Point it out,
1: Jason. Tell people how to do it. (laughs) Right. So
0: yeah, go read the blog post, and then you'll know exactly how to reinvent your life. But I think just you sharing your perspective on what you guys went through and maybe taking a meta look at that and and saying like, all right, what what were like some of the big overarching things that you could pull out of that process that worked for you that maybe others could apply to their situations right now?
1: Um, Yeah, that's such a good question. And I'm so reticent to give advice in general in life, just because I think, everyone's unique experience is their own. Well,
0: don't, don't think and about as advice. Just share your unique uh, experience. Share
1: experiences. Okay. That's, that's fair. I- I just get worried when people, you know, there are so many people out there, particularly in the current era, not just in the last two weeks of COVID-19, but in general, who are like, yes, just follow this five-step formula and it will all be okay. And I, right. I just resist that, that Well, was significantly.
0: understandably, right? I mean, yeah, it's, uh, well, I mean, I oh, think totally. you, everybody can agree on the value of hearing people's yeah. perspectives, you know what yes, I mean? Yes,
1: totally. Yeah. So, so that was a long caveat in me attempting not to answer your question. <laughs> Let me get on with it
0: now. Um,
1: so, you know, I don't know. I think the thing that I'm continually learning and the older I get, you know, I'll be 46 soon. So I'm just sort of I feel like I'm just kind of getting to the point where maybe maybe I'm almost a grown up. Maybe I almost have a clue what's going on here <laughs> um, is is that perspective, oh, you know, an overarching perspective on the fact that time carries us away from all things. And no matter what those things are—good things, bad things, hard things, tragic things—time will carry us through that. And you know, particularly in a situation like this, I—I I don't know if you know the the Gabriel Garcia Marquez book, *Love in the Time of Cholera*. I've I've been noodling a, a piece that I'd like to write, uh, really, just related called *Love in the Time of COVID 19 You know, and. The idea that here we are in this really interesting time in history. If we were able to step outside of all the things that seem hard and terrible right now, we're living through what's going to be very interesting history in 10 more years. Um, So, you know, the perspective on the fact that we are as a society, as a people group, as countries going to get through this as individuals, there will be life on the other side it may not be exactly the same as it is now but as you said you know we're going to have opportunities so paying attention to where we're at now what we're feeling now the opportunities that are passing before us so that we can be a little bit more intentional not getting so stuck in the oh the sky is falling that we that we lose sight of the fact that you know in 10 years we're going to be someone who are we going to be how is this going to shape who we are and i you know in the last uh, economic crisis. That was one of the things that we kind of thought about a lot was, well, you know, what do we actually want out of this? What What do we want our family life to look like in the next 10 years? Because we had kids in that stage of middle childhood. We were tangibly aware that it was going to pass and it was going to pass quickly. Uh, and we wanted to to use the time that we had with them to build a certain kind of life and experience for them, but also for us, you know, because it's not just children that you're giving a childhood to. It's yourself that you're giving a a life and a lifestyle to, and all of these choices that we make along the way contribute to who we are later. Um, And so, you know, that that whole concept of time carrying us through all of these things has been super helpful for me in not panicking at various points in my life, you know, and that could be when I have a teenager who's behaving badly, or it could be during a, a work crisis or a relationship struggle, that we will get through this together, the question is how get through it, you know, and, and that's the point where it gets fun and it gets exciting because we can think about, well, how would we like to get through this? And what should we be doing? I mean, I don't know how old you are, but like, you know, we Gen X uh, have lived through very few truly, truly difficult things in the Western world you know, we haven't had war on we're our spoiled. own soil. We're spoiled brats. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, you know, we got through the education system at a point where there were still jobs, unlike our millennial friends. Um, you know, we've had, we were kind of the last generation to sort of get what we were promised out of the educational system and the, the conventional routes that people take. Um, and, you know, I think in some ways, the millennials among us who are, you know, young to middle adults now, they are are more equipped to deal with this than than those of us who are a little bit older uh, because they came of age during the crisis last time and they weren't handed anything. <laughs> they had to work their rear ends off from the beginning. You know, the, the jobs weren't there. They had to to do things so differently and they, they get poo pooed a lot for all this, you know, the generalizations that people make. But in, in lots of ways, their resiliency is something that we can all learn from.
0: Um, yeah, or yeah. at least
1: that's been my experience.
0: Sure. And it is as far as the, what you talked about with time. I mean, this too shall pass is kind of the, yes, it will. The, yeah, the it mantra, will. A mantra. And um, I,
1: you know, if we can all keep our, if we can all keep a focus on that, I think it will pass relatively smoothly. But when people panic and when people overreact and when people assume that the sky is falling or that this is all that ever will be, um, they react very differently than, than if they're thinking about it as from a perspective of who will I be when I'm 90 and who, sh- who will I be proud of having been during this period when I am 90.
0: As far as I'm concerned, it's like permission to freak out right now, right? Like freak out, you know, be worried. I think those are going to be natural emotions. And I think it's important to sit with those, but then like put them into some kind of container at some point, or
1: use them as a as a catalyst for a so, certain. You know, we can't control how we feel, but we can always control how we behave. Right, so we're all going to feel feel threatened by this. We're all going to feel panicky. We're going to feel uncertain. We're going to feel anxiety, but. We can we can choose to live in those emotions in a way that's paralyzing or we can choose to leverage those emotions for the greater good for our own good and I think that you know that's the thing coming out of the last crisis that I would say applies to us almost in this crisis is feeling those emotions sitting with them allowing it to be what it is but then making some clear choices about your direction as a result of those
0: yeah yeah there's so much around it it's um
1: so we can talk uh, just about the emotional component for a whole
0: hour I, I don't think it's healthy that to, to act out of fear like all that you don't want to have all those negative i, I want to say negative emotions just that you don't want to have all those emotions and then um just like be in that most of the day and then live your life and make all your decisions through that like i think just going back to what you said a good way to step out of that is to to really take the bird's eye you know decade-long view or whatever imagine i've been imagining this recently like like you said when you said this would be an interesting time in history it's like uh, you could imagine reading a history book in, you know, 20 years or whatever. And they would talk about this and, and you're part of this now. So what's, what are we going to do? You know what I mean? Right. During what this. What are we going
1: to do? Yeah,
0: Absolutely. As individuals yeah. and, and as um a community, as humanity.
1: What we're going to do first is work from home and school our kids from home and try not to get each other sick.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. And let's talk about the practical stuff. Remote Working. Working remotely. Working from home. Uh, You know, I've talked a lot about location independence and, you know, being a digital nomad and there's all these lifestyles and uh, the thing they all have in common is you're working from not an office that you go to every day, right? Which is a dream come true for many people people but it's also a whole different reality a a whole different reality of work too
1: it is and it's not one size fits all
0: no it's not for everybody either like they might be doing this and they're like i don't want to do this like i have to do this this is not i'm not fulfilling a dream by working at home this is like a nightmare for me which when i my kids are you know busting into the room in the middle of a you know whatever a podcast interview i uh I'm like, yeah, I get it. So it, there are challenges. Let's talk about how to tackle some of those challenges. What have you learned over your time in the last? I mean, it seems like you've been doing working remotely now for over what, a decade, something like about that.
1: Twelve years, maybe. We were we were early adopters the digital nomad movement, even though there weren't words for it yet. Um, you know, for me, it has been such a blessing because, and I, you know, I talk to women about this a lot. Um, I think remote work has the potential to level the playing field for for women specifically in ways that nothing else has to this point historically. Because the reality is that we are probably decades away from there being true equity between men and women in terms of caregiving roles and family life and those sorts of things. And so, you know, most women that I know are juggling many things, uh, work and children being two of those things. And for me, remote work allowed me to have the kind of lifestyle that I wanted with my children through their formative years while at the same time still building my career, which, you know, many of my friends who who were in school with me to become teachers had to make a binary choice on that. They could either pursue their career in the classroom, which requires you to show up with your body every day, or they could invest in other ways that they wanted to with their kids. But it's really hard to do both things fully the way you want to everyone is making choices. I'm not sure that's true for men too, by the way, I don't mean to act like that's only a female problem. But it's, no, it's absolutely
0: true. To it's a be bigger able to, struggle for women. Yeah, I understand yeah. that. Um, but I mean, there's a joy in like, I'm, I'm joking about like some of the challenges, but like it, it's so awesome to walk out of say my bedroom or like it come from my co working space and see my kids and I can do that anytime or like I've taken my kids out of daycare. I, I had them in daycare so I could get some work done during the day. And they have a really good system here in Norway. But like any day I want to just keep them home and hang out with them, I can. You know, and I've done that. And it's a a wonderful thing. Yeah. And
1: my husband also has worked from home always. So, you know, we've had we've had a really like unique opportunity to spend time both with our kids and to build our career. So that's been, that's been great. But, you know, in terms of remote work, not everybody wants to do it. Not everybody's good at it. Not everybody, not every job is well suited to it. I, you know, I imagine that there are going to be a lot of people in this next little while that are really struggling with all the things aside from all the other stress of this situation that we're in. But, you know, in terms of how to, how to make it happen, like, I don't know. Designated workspaces are really important. I didn't have one of those for a lot of years. When I finally had an office that I could go into and shut the door as a remote worker, oh my god, what a game changer! That was amazing. Way better than the kitchen table with everyone. Right. <laughs> or a tenth, <laughs> as the case maybe. Um, you know, setting setting schedules for yourself, taking breaks. Like the Pomodoro method is so great for. And there's an app for that for people that work remotely because it it helps you remember to dive deep on a task and not di- get distracted. Explain, but explain what that is to take,
0: quickly right? to people, because that's helped me a lot at times.
1: Yeah. Um, I, don't, I guess I don't know the, the backstory to the name of the Pomodoro Method, but basically you, you do short, focused work stance, like 20 minutes at a time, followed by five minutes of truly changing... In the gears. So maybe you get up and you exercise, or maybe you go out and get a coffee, or maybe you do whatever you do. But then when you're back at your desk, you work intensively for that that next seg- segment. And it's you know it's based kind of on that that, that Pareto principle of, of 80-20, right? Like you want to spend 80% of your time really focused and, that, and 20% of your time doing other things. So um, yeah, it's good. It's been really helpful for me, uh, tools like that. And then, you know, I guess... It's going to be so hard for people who are just diving into as a band aid for this to to come up with systems and to come up with you know I'm thinking about all the infrastructure we use in remote companies for asynchronous communication and for meetings and for you know they're all things that are well oiled machines for us that are are not going to be well oiled machines right now for the people who are doing this as a stopgap and that's where I just I worry.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, one of the things like I've used the Pomodoro technique before. It's it was like. I mean, the way I did it, I think I do 25 minutes and then it's like three minutes of chill time, three to five minutes. Oh, only three. Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, I usually ends up being longer, I think. So it's like three (laughs) 25-minute sessions and then after the third one, you take like a longer break, right? I mean, I think that's how you do it. Anyway, you could Google it. Oh, is that how
1: you do it? Okay. Well, I mean,
0: yeah, everyone has their own. I mean, I think there's some set version of it. You can have your own version. But I mean, I think one of the points is it's not like, maybe not necessarily... There are these techniques, right? And like, I think one thing that I've learned is over, let's see how many, like eight years of doing this, something like that, is experimenting with these various techniques because that work has worked for me very well. Like i uh, just using a specific example, the pompadour technique, but maybe not all the time, or maybe I forget it and then I bring it back and then I'm like, oh yeah, this works really well. Like I should do this. Or it works well for certain tasks, like writing for me, you know? My buddy was telling me about an app called Self Control that I'm going to download, which like blocks you from going to certain websites (laughs) for like a period of time. Yeah, You you know
1: what? Those might be super helpful to people right now, because, you know, if you're used to your technology time at home being mostly social media or YouTube videos or fun things. Learning to restructure that time towards work, stuff like that, that helps you dial back the other things and the distraction. The other thing that just came to mind that you know, when I when I had my kids home all the time and we were homeschooling and while working and everything else was, I I got up early. I, you know, my friends tease me now because I'm up at four thirty, five o'clock, and I I tend to work hard in the mornings and then take my afternoons more casually. Um, but I do that because when I had my kids home, which is going to be everybody's situation right now. The only time that I could get focused time for me to really do deep work was before they got up. Um, so, you know, maybe one strategy for people who are doing this only as a stopgap, you know, it's not going to be a lifestyle for you necessarily, maybe structuring your day so that you're getting up at five and working, you know, focused until eight when the rest of the family starts to move around, you know, that gives you a solid three hour block right there. And then you can sit together at different points of the day to get the rest of the stuff in but you know finding and my husband's totally the opposite he works best when our kids were little he would parent with me all day and then from sort of eight or nine o'clock at night until midnight or two in the morning those were his focused hours so recognizing that with remote work unless you have a job that you have to be you know service oriented that you have to be on the clock between you know 10 and 2 or certain hours um that it doesn't have to look like office work you know i think it's i tell people who are who are homeschooling or bringing their kids out of a a structured educational environment that, you you know, to, to, work, to let go of the idea that that schooling that education has to look like this. I think it's the same in this situation for people who are working remotely. You can't, you cannot bring home or replicate what work feels like in an office. When you work remotely, you will struggle and be upset and be unsettled. You have to settle into the fact that these are apples and oranges and working remotely looks very different than it looks being in the office. And I think the people who are most successful over the long haul with remote work are the people who find those patterns for themselves and let go of that outward structure of what they feel like it should look like in favor of what works organically in this new environment.
0: I mean, you mentioned the word organic, like kind of organically making things work. And that is a process. So you might want to beat yourself up in the beginning because you're not figuring it out. But when you figure out... And it can change a bit, of course. But generally speaking, like there are certain times of the day where I'm much more creatively inclined, maybe would be the word, right? Like I I know at certain times of the day, I'm too tired to do any really deep creative work. So that's a good time to do admin stuff or answer emails or work on my taxes or whatever, uh, as opposed to between for me, between like 10am and three, which is like my sweet spot right now. Like I love to like record a podcast because I feel awake and I've had coffee and I've had a couple meals and it's like, all right, I'm ready to have a great conversation and I feel good. You know, I'm, it's not a 11 o'clock at night and I'm trying to get myself up, which I've done those before because of uh, being in Europe and, you know, uh, recording with different people. So, I mean, sometimes those things are inevitable, but I think if you set yourself up for taking advantage of your peak times for like, say, creativity, uh, admin, like you might get into a real flow admin state at a certain period of time, you know, at your office between three and five, you just answer emails and like you're zoned in and you got your headphones on and you're rocking out to whatever, then like just do that at home during the same time, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. Taking advantage of the, the periods of the day when you can be most productive and are, are most excited are really good. I was talking to my daughter this morning. She just flew home from Turkey yesterday ended her, her trip a little bit early. And uh, we're now under two week quarantine. All of us together. Our, our, our third son is home from university because they closed his school. So uh, five of the six of us are now in the house for the next two weeks um and then you know hannah will she's 24 and she's got her own life and other stuff but she just needed a a pad to crash on basically when she came home and she and i were having tea this morning just talking about all the things because her work has also dropped way off because of this and we were talking about one of the strategies that we use for figuring out sort of where we're at in a day and what to do next in terms of working remotely is over the long haul not just over two or three days but learning to take your own temperature emotionally as you're going through a day and then step back and say, well, how am I feeling about this task? Or how am I feeling about this kind of work now? Or, you know, and what am I enjoying doing? What do I wish I was doing? Because by observing that emotional flow, you can determine the patterns that might point you towards what would be better uses of certain blocks of time. You know, if you find that you're constantly feeling like, oh, I can't do this between 9 and 11 in the morning, well, then maybe that's a great time to take a walk or go do your workout or whatever, you know, rather than forcing yourself to, to follow a pattern just because it has been the pattern, um, really paying attention to, to where your energy level is and what your emotional state is as you're passing through a day can be helpful. In, yes. In figuring out what's
0: next. Yes. I'm fist pumping over here, Jen. Um, <laughs> seriously, because this is the thing that, I mean, we, we've talked about some of the struggles, but like this is, one of the many awesome things too is I know a lot of people have the gripe. It's like, well, why do I have to work nine to five? It's just like a made up thing, yeah. right? It's a made up construct. Yeah, We're all going to work totally nine to five. And, and well, that's... Unless
1: you're like, you know, unless you're answering phones as a concierge, you know, and you actually do have to show up, <laughs> but for most of us, totally. And I understand that it's like sort hour. of like a,
0: an agreed upon societal thing. Right. But so, I mean, there's certainly something to that, but if you're a night owl and you're just like, why can't I just do my work at night? Because I love to work between midnight and four in the morning. Like, hey, here's, here's your chance, you know? <laughs> and
1: those kinds of people might actually knock out more work in four hours on their during that time block than they would struggling with it for eight hours during the time block they shouldn't be working it.
0: Right. That's another point, right? It's like, yeah, like the the whole eight hour thing, like you might find when you do some readjusting that I, I don't think personally and made this might sound lazy, but I I really think it's very difficult to actually have a productive eight hour day. I think that's almost impossible. I'm like four to five hours is more realistic.
1: That's it. And you know what? That's a great point to make for people who are listening to this, who are thrown into the deep end of the pool right now. And you know, they don't want to work remotely forever. Uh, Those of us who work remotely, Full time does almost never means 40 hours. Now, there are times when it means 60 or 70 hours. Am I right? Like, you know, there are periods of time where you have to buckle down and weeks are difficult. But a 40, you know, what we consider a 40 hour workload week in an office without the distractions and everything else at home can be accomplished in 25 to 30 hours, so, you know, if you're working from home for the first time and you're, you know, you get to that five hour point point, you feel like you've done great work, but you're like, oh my gosh, I got to work for three more hours. Maybe you don't, you know, maybe you don't look at your, look at what you're accomplishing. If you're getting, a, if you're getting all of the work done in that shorter amount of time, then a more productive use of the other three might be, uh, exercise, self-care, like any number of things that are community driven or, or family driven that, 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 Fill your emotional cup so that when you do get your ass in the chair, you're doing your best work.
0: It's so underutilized. I think it's it's like the intangible benefits of, say, taking a walk, right? I mean, I, get, I always get so many ideas and so many insights when I just take a walk. Now, you could say, I mean, and I've done this with myself. It's terrible. You beat yourself up. You're like, well, I'm not getting anything done. Like, all this stuff's just sitting there and I'm just taking a walk. This is stupid. But it's not. Uh, it's yeah. not it's not no. and it's that's not yesterday is key
1: we were yeah totally totally Um yeah Yesterday, you know, we're on our Tortuga Slack channel, and we all work remotely all the time. But a lot of the people that I work with, they go to co-working spaces, they leave their house to work, you know? So this whole business of being isolated in one place in their houses is, you know, making even those of us who work remotely a little stir-crazy right now. And Taylor, who is our director of marketing, uh, she popped into the Slack channel, and she's like, does anybody need anything done right now? If you do, tell me right now, because I'm going to get on my bike and go ride for two hours. I have got to get some exercise in a socially isolating way. And, she, you know, she was just fried at that point, sort of midday. And we were all like, no, go, see you in two hours. And so, you know, not only does remote work provide her the opportunity to do that, but in a company that is set up properly for remote work and that, that values people's ability to make those decisions for themselves, she was also free very publicly within the within the earshot of the CEO and everyone else in the company during a stressful period of work time when you would think that the answer should be everybody knuckle down and work hard she was like no i gotta go ride my bike and we were all like yes go enjoy your bike ride um because we know that when she comes back you know we get taylor on steroids instead of taylor dragging her tail around the house so you know encouraging each other to do those things that we just feel intrinsically in our body are going to make us healthier happier more productive you know, we have to learn as a culture to listen to those cues and to act on them because they really do make us more productive in our professional sense too.
0: The ideas and things, like I said, the insights, you you don't know what could come out of a bike ride like that. But if you need it, you know you need it, right? That's like the balance thing. You got to listen to what it is that you need. And unfortunately, maybe some people don't work in that type of supportive environment, in which case...
1: No, um, and that's rough,
0: of course. But I mean, maybe this is part of the opportunity here is reassessing what kind of if if we're going to be working from home for a while like what kind of environment do we want to either be in or create for ourselves you know
1: you know one of the opportunities jason i'm so interested to see what is going to happen to work culture in general as a result of this because there are going to be companies who realize oh my gosh, so much of the money we're spending on infrastructure, we do not need to be spending. We could reinvest that in our people in ways that make their lives better without having these big office buildings and other things, you know? So I I really think that, and there are going to be a number of people who would never have considered remote work because of all the reasons they have in their own head why it can't work, who find they actually really love it. And then there will be people who discover exactly the opposite, that this is uncategorically not
0: for them. I agree. It's going to be interesting to see. And I think it's going to change. That's my prediction anyway, that it's, it's, there's going to be some dramatic changes and people are gonna, yeah, wake up to a lot of the benefits of remote work that we've been touting for how many years? I don't know. I want you to share some of the things that you found have worked well in terms of getting your kids, like keeping them motivated to, to get tasks done, but also like maybe some out of the box things that you've seen, like, wow, like it took me a while, like looking back, these are like the things that have worked the best and, and made my kids um, so so incredible in this way or that way.
1: Well, I mean, one of the things, one of the distinctions that I think is really important to draw is that, you know, the current measures to close schools, they're not making these people homeschoolers you know there's I, i've seen a lot of like joking memes within the homeschool community of like oh yeah now you know now you're all homeschoolers welcome to the party i'm like well but actually they're not right like people who choose not to homeschool their kids they choose not to homeschool their kids absolutely on purpose because they don't think it's the best answer for their kids and you know one thing that i've learned over the 25 year arc of, of raising these kids so far is that almost without exception and There are a few, but almost without exception. Parents can be trusted to know what is best for their own children. Um, And if if people have chosen a particular educational method, it's because that's the best one for their kids. So it's extremely jarring for these families to then be thrown into this situation where they're forced to shift everything. They're not equipped to do it. They don't want to do it. Uh, the kids themselves are not habituated to it, you know, homeschooling and, and public school like if people say, oh, well, how do you keep up with the academic work and I always laugh because that's that is so not the right question to be asking like that's that's a that's top water on the, the depth of the if- issues and the differences between sending your kids to school and choosing not to and. Um, keeping the academic work done is the easy part you know where it's this group of kids that is all of a sudden being isolated they're going to miss the social interaction because they're used to it they're going to miss the structure because they're used to it they they're not capable of ordering their own days and and marching through their own educational process in the same way that kids their the same age who are homeschooled are uh, in the same way that those homeschooled kids wouldn't be, um, particularly successful if thrown into the deep end and said, okay, now you have to go to school overnight. Like, it, there's a whole set of soft skills around how we live our lives. And there's so many parallels between people who go to an office versus remote workers or people who go to a school versus alternative educators. Like, I, everything that I'm seeing online is focusing on how to help parents, you know, get through the academic stuff with their kids. Okay, well, that's actually not the issue. Like if if most parents did absolutely nothing, even if the schools remain closed for the end through the end of this school year and we don't get to send them back till September, if we did nothing academically, the kids would be totally fine. Nobody's not gonna get into college. Because of this, you know the the academics are something that we can that we can and will pick up with kids. I'm so, I'm encouraging parents to go ahead and do whatever the schools have sent home because obviously that's a good idea. We do want to keep them moving forward academically. I'm not arguing that we shouldn't. But that's not the big challenge that parents are going to face. The big challenge they're going to face is that they've got kids who are home who don't necessarily want to be home, don't know how to be home long term. The families themselves are not set up in a way that their daily schedule supports many, many hours of downtime together. Um, So, you know, the thing that I'm encouraging parents to think about is more based on Uh, establishing some routines and creating fun as a family. Because if the kids aren't having fun, this is going to be really difficult, particularly if it drags on beyond a couple of weeks of spring breakiness. So, you know, creating routines that keep the kids moving, not, you know, I haven't met any parents who are okay with the idea that this this switch in schooling would add eight hours a day of screen time to their kids' lives. Like most parents are are savvy enough to know that we don't want kids to just be opted into the digital babysitter for, for the same amount of of school hours every day, because that has emotional and behavioral impacts on most kids. And um, so, you know, how do you keep them moving, getting them out of doors, how to set up a schedule that moves them from art to music, to play, to maybe some academic work, to some outside time, to, you know, family time with mom. Like how to restructure everyone's schedules so that as a family, you're accommodating the little bit of academic work that needs to be done, the work, the remote work that parents have that needs to be done, but also creating for the kids an environment that that doesn't end up being traumatic in the end. Because I think, you know, if this drags on, there's potential for this generation of school kids to remember this as sort of a traumatic event in their childhood. Um, but as parents, we have the opportunity to, to create something that maybe becomes quite the opposite. It becomes the most fun vacation at home the kids have ever had. So opportunity and I you know I think it's so important for to create some scaffolding for parents around things like, like I wrote this piece so uh, what to do with your kids when schools are closed because of COVID-19 and part of it is like okay here are some academic resources here are some things you could do for math or for language or for other subjects keep them busy and keep them moving but it's to the keep them busy and keep them moving I think that is the most important part uh, more so than the academics right now um, and we can use the academics as one part of that tool of course Uh, but, you know, creating a secret weapon so that there's lots of fun things that your kids aren't expecting to happen. Like, I'm creating this for the kids in our neighborhood, actually, um, because, you know, I'm thinking about all these moms around me who are all of a sudden stuck with all their little kids at home. So yesterday for St. Patrick's Day, I made a bunch of cupcakes and I put a little note out in the neighborhood saying, hey, hey, there's cupcakes on my front porch. Come get them to certain families with little kids. And um, we're going to build a scavenger hunt in our neighborhood and and put a prize box on uh, on our deck that kids can do sort of one family at a time. They can't all do it together because we're social distancing, but it can be done over and over and over through our village so that the kids will have a thing. Or I'm going to hide paper Easter eggs all over the neighborhood so that the kids can look for them in a couple of weeks. And I've got all these ideas for things that can be done to create fun for kids in this and also exercise and adventure and Mental stimulation. So, you know, I think families can work on those kinds of things together. And you know, if you don't have kids, great. So, how can you serve the kids in your neighborhood? I can't babysit for people right now. That's not working. So, instead, I can do these kinds of things for them. You know?
0: Yeah, and I mean, you can also say these things for yourself, right? Like we've talked about the benefits of seeing your kids when you're remote working. Um, but I mean, maybe for you, that's playing guitar or whatever. I mean, the, what, insert whatever thing that you love that could bring you joy in the middle of the day all right well i mean what you just said there's a lot to unpack there because you're talking about how to move them from you know art to music to outdoors to the academics and i i think the one thing that stood out is probably maybe people are thinking well they spend all day at school doing academics so how are we supposed to just make that one part of all these things and still get everything done well
1: Right. So one of the things like I was I was talking to Global News Canada the other day and, and Business Insider actually asked me the same question about this. Like what people don't realize when they send their kids to school is how much of that time is non-academic. Uh, you know, our, our kids when we were when I was teaching second grade, actually in a, in a school one day for fun, I took a stopwatch and I, I just stopwatched out how much time was spent actually, you know, butts in the chair doing the academic work. And it was about two hours of the day that I had them for second graders. So, you know, many years later when I was, I had my own second graders at home, um, you know, people would be like, well, how long does it take you to get through school? I'm like, "Ah, an hour and a half to two hours. Well, what do you do with them for the rest of the day? I'm like, well, a million other things because learning is not just, you know, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Learning is laundry and self-care and meditation and adventure and project-based learning and serving in the neighborhood like you know are there's so many other parts of their education beyond those three r's that need to happen and those are often being neglected in schools which we hear people complaining about all the time right so now in many ways opportunity tiny. Exactly. Uh, this is your opportunity to like teach them to iron, teach them to run the washing machine and dryer, cook together, teach them how to change the tire in the car. All teach those them what a credit like,
0: card is thing. so they don't use it the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. Do
1: all kinds of things together. Right. Like there's yeah. so many educational and, and truly there are academic things that can come out of this. But, you know, if, if your kids are, are eighth grade or below Uh, two hours a day at a max will cover the academic work that they're doing in school. If they're working diligently, Um, it's under 10, like an hour to an hour and a half is more than enough. And it doesn't have to be done in one chunk. Do it in 15 minute chunks.
0: Right. Would you set them up with a certain task and then do your own work? How would you manage that? Or would you do everything with them and then work later when they were all off?
1: So it depends on the age of the kids, right? It's very different with a five-year-old than it is with a 15 year old. A 15-year-old can and should be organizing this time that they have off of school for themselves within some scaffolding that you help them create around what are the priorities, what are the things that we need to do. Academically, how are you going to stay on track? Uh, socially, how are you going to meet the needs that you have? How are you going to serve within the family, given that we're all trapped together? You know, teenagers are capable of thinking through those things and scheduling themselves, and they should, because that's an early adulting skill, and it's an opportunity for you to coach as parent five-year-olds clearly you've got to sit with to do their little math, math worksheet or you have to sit with to work on their spelling words and so you know that's why I say 15 minute blocks for little kids are really great because they can focus for 15 minutes on forming their letter shapes and then they get to go run around the house or you know we had a we had a mini trampoline which was the savior of our homeschooling when the kids were little because two of my boys would have been medicated if they'd gone out to school and Every single thing that could be learned by rote memorization was learned while bouncing. So spelling words, math facts, states and capitals, whatever the things, Gabe would bounce while I was reading out loud to him sometimes because he focused better and he could learn. So, you know, getting outside this idea that academic work has to mean sitting at a desk and doing a thing or sitting in front of a computer and doing a thing, you think about ways to keep them moving. You know, you, if you practice your times tables while you're taking your walk, that's double duty. And that counts as their academic time. Right. So. So thinking about how to do that, but then definitely, you know, scheduling blocks of time with things they can do independently. And maybe that's going to mean, you know, two one hour blocks of media time where they're watching a the Netflix or they're, you know, something like that, because you absolutely have to get that work done. Fine. Schedule it in. You know, art supplies that they can use unsupervised. Um you know a mandated my kids all the way through you know them being sort of teenagers we had mandated rest time every afternoon for everyone and you didn't have to sleep and I didn't care what you did but you were going to do it in your own space quietly because I needed that time to get other things done and we all needed that time to just recharge um it's difficult when you live in close quarters with people Mm. and can't escape (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> which is a lot of the reality for traveling families, right? Like we lived in right. a tent for a year with our kids We lived in a camper in New Zealand that was 18 feet long with six of us three of whom were teenagers for seven months Wow, like yeah So you have to find ways to to get space and to create routine for people in a way that meets their needs in, as individuals But also meets your needs as a parent
0: How do you think the unconventional background that your kids had has benefited them today? What you've seen so far
1: well I mean one of the most obvious ways is that uh, when they got into university in every case where we've, we've gotten them in you know we did it around the back door uh, I didn't bother to fill out the online forms for anything we just made it we made appointments with admissions officers and went and spoke to real humans because our situation was so weird and in every case within 20 minutes with an administra- with an admissions officer at very good universities, they have closed the folder that I brought for them with all of the stuff, slid it across the desk and laughed. They've been like, this is not a problem. You have so much more than covered what you have to. Your kids will definitely be fine here. Uh, all of them in university have found the academic work easy. Uh, and they've been all shocked by the lack of, Life skills that most other kids have. So I think, you know, the big benefit is we were able to set a very high bar academically uh, without, you know, without overtaxing them again, two to four hours a day, even through high school for their academic work um, to more than exceed the expectations. But they've also learned lots and lots of important life skills. And, you know, they spend a lot of their time hanging out with people like you, actually, who live very different sorts of lives. And they they have come to understand the range of options available to them and that there's not any one way to do life or career or other things. Um, one example, actually, you know, my daughter, when she was 16, she came to me and she said, Mom, I think I need to build a business. I said, Okay, She goes, yeah, because, you know, I'm going to move out in two years to go to university and I want to make sure that I can support myself. So I think I should build my business now so that I have an income. I was like, genius. Good idea. Do it. And she did. So when she moved out at just barely 18 years old to attend university, uh, she was fully viable financially. Like she could pay all of her own stuff. I paid for her tuition because that was the deal. But she paid for all of her own stuff. And when she graduated university last year the first thing she did was turn down a job in her field because she was ready to focus more on her business and grow that further. And it had been frustrating to her that she hadn't had quite enough time to work on that while with her full academic load. Um, So, you know, they've launched earlier than than most kids do. My 21-year-old son, he lives and works on a boat in in the Chesapeake Bay in Virginia. Uh, He's been... You know, he's 21 years old. He hasn't asked me for money in over two years. He's, you know, he's got his career built. He knows what he wants to do uh, and he's doing it. So, you know, being raised outside of the system, the system tells you over and over and over as a child, when you're 18, when you graduate, when you do this, it's permissions based. Kids feel like they have to, they have to cross a particular hurdle before they're respected for whatever the thing is, when that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, and there are lots and lots and lots of ways to live your life right now. And you know, this is a whole nother podcast, but I could go on for hours about, the, you know, adolescence and the ways we have created the problem by legislating against teenagers. You know, everything people assume about teenagers in terms of rebellion and angst and, and uh, emotional problems, we've created that by the system we've set up. That's not normal and it's not to be expected. And kids who are emancipated from that very quickly uh, get off the ground and do really pretty amazing things if you if you give them space to do that. Oh,
0: so I thought teen angst was just normal.
1: <laughs> yeah, a lot of people too. I mean, you yeah, know, everybody has angst, right? Like I have angst. I'm 46 right. years old. Emotional roller coasters. That's that is humanity. But we've, you know, we've legislated against our teenagers to the point where they are, you know, I I believe teenagers to be at their most creative, most interesting, most productive phase of life. They're just full of spit and vinegar at that age. And most kids are told, nope, 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 wait, nope, you can't do it. No, definitely don't do that. Oh, well, here, go do this mindless menial task over and over and over, instead of applying your creativity to solving world problems or building something that you're proud of for yourself or, you know, any number of things. So, you know, we throttle them to the point where extreme frustration in the form of rebellion is actually quite a natural, you know, if somebody treated me the way most 15 year olds are treated, yeah. I would be livid.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's understandable.
1: So, you know, raising your kids in a way that, that creates freedom and space for them. Like, I think that's one of the biggest benefits that's come from it as adults that, and they're just, you know, by the time they're adults, they are ready because they've had all of these experiences. Yeah. Uh,
0: I just wanted to ask you about resources. Do you have any real powerful resources uh, for any of the things that we discussed today that you want to share?
1: Um, you know, there are so many people right now putting out remote work resources. Um, I would not say that mine are, are better than anyone else's, but you know, definitely, you know, I hope you're going to link to some of the companies, for instance, that are that are putting out their remote work startup guides and things like that for free. Uh, as options for people. I think there'll be a lot of really helpful things there. I, if I were to encourage people to do one thing in the remote work vein, it would be to read widely because it's real easy to read what works for one person and then take that as gospel and then find you're not that kind of person at all. So, you know, finding people who, who are similar to you, do jobs similar to you, following, what, you know, what has worked for them might provide some shortcuts for you. Um, as far as the kid thing, yeah, I referenced that one piece that I that I put out last week on on how to how to slap a Band-Aid on this mess with your kids while, while the schools are closed, you can definitely link to that one. I think that would be helpful. Just give, us, the, very...
0: uh, give us your website for, for that.
1: Oh,
0: it's dot com.
1: Yep. And there's a much deeper world schooling... Uh, it's uh, it's called World Schooling and Five Easy Lessons, a primer for petrified parents that might be helpful to people who, you know, who are exploring alternative education as a longer term thing or who want to dive deep into a specific aspect of how to teach a specific thing. Um, but. Yeah, it just I would encourage people to reach out. Like, if this resonates with you, if you if you have a question for me, if there's a way that you see that I can help, I you know I'm I have a real heart right now for these families that are thrown into remote work and and homeschooling in a way that they didn't ask for. And if there are ways that I can serve those people or create, you know, community for them or just listen or point them towards resources, I'm so happy to do that right now. I think we have to hold and help each other.
0: Cool, and uh, it's Jen with two ends, by the way, JenLately.com. It's uh, got some great resources on there as well. So um, Jen, as always, it's a pleasure. I feel like we're going to have to have you back at some point to continue some of this dialogue. We'll see where things go. The
1: other thing that might help is uh, there's a, if you go to Medium and go to On Your Terms, um, Tortuga, we, we haven't posted anything on it too recently, but we have a lot of really cool remote work resources there that uh, would be very helpful to people perhaps. Cool. Girls.com.
0: Well, let's uh, keep in touch and everybody keep, keep on keeping on, right? <laughs> this too, this two shall pass And opportunity. We'll pull out those. Uh, we'll leave you with those two things. Thanks for your time, Jen.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Take care. There you have it. Hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Jen. She is awesome. She is, I admire her so much, what she's done in her life, having two small kids myself. I know how tough it can be to travel with kids, and I've traveled as a digital nomad working by myself, and it was hard to figure out the work-life balance thing just by myself and doing it with four kids and teaching them and earning an income as an entrepreneur. It's really an impressive feat all around, and she's somebody that... Never bends in her values, you know. Whether it's uh, hey, I love travel, this is what I want to do with my life, so I'm just taking my family on the road and doing that, or whether it's the work she's doing. Um, now she's always aligned with her core values. She never sacrifices those, uh, uh, the things that make her who she is and what she believes in, and she incorporates that into all uh, everything that she does, her work, her her life, and everything. So I, I just yeah, can't say enough good things about Jen. So Jen, if you're listening. Thank you. I'm giving you a shout out. And of course, we can all take something from that, right? This whole situation gives us a chance to maybe potentially reinvent some parts of our life, our work, ourselves. And I've always found the most joy in my work when the things that I'm doing are aligned with my values and the way that I feel like I can serve others. So that's what I'm doing here. Hey, that's why this podcast was born and... There's a reason I've been doing it for seven years because I love it. I love you guys. I love this show. I love the content we've put out and the guests I have on and that we're able to share so much with each other as a community. So anyway, yeah, it's a, it's, it could be an opportunity here to reinvent some parts of our lives. All of us, as we're given this sort of break, we, almost like we press pause on regular life while this thing's going on and you know, I'm sure a lot of good things are going to come out of that. And maybe it's an, a chance to reinvent certain aspects of our life. I'm certainly pondering different things and I'm sure you are as well. So if you are pondering things, or you just want to check in, send me an email, jason at zerototravel.com because you know I love to read uh, these emails on the podcast and I love to get them and you don't know how much they brighten my day. So if you got time, check in and do that. And also, if you haven't signed up over at zerototravel.com yet, you should sign up. I've been doing some cool live events. We just did a live podcast with Location Indie live, not, not in person, but virtually live. We got into a Zoom room and had about 70 people come hang out with us while we, my buddy Travis and I recorded a podcast and even incorporated some of the people into the episode. It was really fun. So I'm thinking that could be a fun thing to do on the Zero to Travel podcast as well. So if that's something you're interested in, I'd love to do some more online meetups with you all. So if you want to hear about those, you can sign up. Over at ZeroToTravel.com. Now, before I let you go, a couple things, a little tip that's been helping me, something that's I can keep top of mind every day that helps me get out of those little valleys when I'm feeling low. And also, one more shout out. One more shout out to one of you in the community. First, a quick thank you once again to Tortuga Backpacks for supporting today's show. ZeroToTravel.com slash Tortuga will take you to a page where you can see the gear I recommend, the travel gear, and also... When you check out, you can get 10% off anything you order. So I encourage you to check out some of their more personal items that you can use in your everyday life as well, like the Outbreaker Day Pack, for example, or some of the Packing Cubes or the uh, Set Out Laptop Backpack, all these great things that are good not just for travel, but of course, home use. And we all will get out of our houses again eventually. So uh, if you're looking for some travel gear, you want to pick it up at 10% off zero to travel.com slash Tortuga. Thanks to them for supporting today's show. And they're a small business. So uh, it's always good to support small businesses if you're looking for stuff like that. And also one more shout out to TravelSouthDakota.com. The state of South Dakota, hooking you up with a free trip planning guide totally free travel is the website you just go there and they will send you uh, you can pick up a digital guide of course online but they will also send you a paper guide in the mail if you're a paper based and old school like me i feel like it's just a little more exciting to run my fingers across a paper map maybe a lot more exciting than it is to look at a map at on google maps or something but anyway Grab this free trip planning guide, TravelSouthDakota.com. You can learn about some of the incredible monuments they have there, like the Crazy Horse Memorial. They got Custer State Park, Wind Cave National Park, Jewel Cave National Monument. So much incredible nature to see, but also great little towns, uh, just Black Hills and Badlands national parks alone have over 5 million acres of forest and mountain landscapes. Incredible, abundant, natural beauty. They've got wild west towns, free-ranging wildlife, rich American Indian culture, year-round festivals, plenty of modern-day attractions and meaningful experiences for you to check out. And something about going on a road trip through the prairies is also a special kind of thing. I'm a mountain guy, but then the prairies really won me over as well. So tons to see and do. Keep your bucket list dreams alive. Go to TravelSouthDakota.com. Grab their free... Trip planning guide, and thank you to them for supporting today's show. Now, let's get into these two final things. First of all, thanks, Nikki, for the email. She said, Hey, Jason. I'm usually more of a background listener slash reader in forums or communities, but I'm trying to connect a bit more given everything that's going on, especially with the lockdown that has just come into force in the UK. Love the podcast; just listened to your latest episode about keeping the travel dreams alive. So wanted to reach out. It's definitely impossible to avoid what's happening, but I think it's a must to keep releasing the content you have. It is lovely to have a bit of escapism to keep the idea of possibilities alive. And the show covers so much more than travel, too, with all the different lifestyles, mindsets, challenges that people face, and so on. I always find there is so much that resonates and can be applicable to different areas of life anyway. I'm sure we will all find helpful perspectives as well as enjoying what's being discussed. And she goes on to say, just to say, absolutely, keep the good stuff coming. Hope you and your family are safe and well. And the show's a fabulous resource of inspiration. On a side note, I also think it would help to keep everybody's spirits up if you would one day treat the caravan to a sample of some of your music. (laughs) Best wishes, Nikki. Nikki, you're sweet, and this email hit me at the perfect time. Thanks for the encouragement. You know, I've been doing this podcast for a long time, but like you guys, we all need encouragement every now and again, right? And this was a hyper blast of encouragement to me. So, Thank you so very much. Hyperblast. I've never used re- is that even a thing? I'm just like throwing together two energetic adjectives, right? Hyperblast. Is hyper an adjective? Yeah, I guess it is. All right, what, uh, listen, I'm a podcaster and not a grammatical <laughs> a grammatical engineer. <laughs> Another made up word. I'm just gonna keep making up words. So uh yeah. If you if you wanna go into hyperblast, if you wanna pursue a career as a grammatical engineer, then um by all means. Now I'm just I'm just clowning around. Anyway, thanks, Nikki, uh, and my family is doing well and safe. And thank you very much for asking. Uh, as far as the music thing, yes, I've been writing songs. It's a personal hobby. I have not recorded anything yet that I feel is ready to be shared. But hopefully, one day, the idea is to get to that point where I feel like okay. This is good enough to share with people. And I'm all about saying effort to perfectionism. You know, you don't want to hold back on stuff forever, but you know, I'm not I'm not quite there yet, Nikki. So I will keep you posted on the on the songs. I don't think my songs are everybody's cup of tea, but if people want to hear them, then what the heck? Get something out there at some point. There, I'm making myself publicly accountable right there. Uh, I wanted to leave you with this last bit of information or a tip, I guess a tidbit, I would say. Something that is a good trigger for myself. I find myself reading the news probably now more than ever, like a lot of you, and that's natural. Of course, we want to know what's going on. But do things really change within 45 minutes? They do. But do I need to know every 45 minutes or hour and a half what's going on? The thing that's been keeping me up, and I think a great use of our time here, is a simple, you could call it a motto, but just saying... Create more than consume. Create more than you consume, right? We're consuming a lot of news and other things lately, but to creating, let's get back to creating. A lot of us have time to do it now. So whatever version of that is for you, right? For me, it might be writing songs. And this is kind of what brought this topic up, Nikki's email. When I can, when I have the time, I'm taking my son out for a walk because my kids are home from daycare. And when he's napping, I just bring my guitar and sit by the pond, watch all the birds fly around and watch these two swans that are guarding this pond and chasing away all the geese like maniacs. It's, it's incredibly entertaining. And, uh, you know, sitting there watching nature, playing my guitar, creating something. For myself, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Maybe for you that's knitting or um, drawing t-shirt designs or coloring doodles. We all have creative tendencies and things that we like to create that get us lost in them. I guess I would say we 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 almost lose track of time, and we can forget about not forget about everything that's going on. But Nikki mentioned the word escapism. I don't I, I don't see uh, creating like that as escapism, but more of um just more of like a Zen approach to living. Just getting back to just hey, we still got to do human things and be human. And creating is one of those ways that I think gets us into a. Uh, not even a mindset, but just um, into like a sort of a natural way of being, right? It feels natural to me to be creating and to, to not be paying attention to the clock and schedules and everything that's going on in the world all the time. Uh, I th- in fact, I think that can be very quite unnatural. And this is our chance to kind of maybe recapture or return to what is more of a natural way of living for us as humans so anyway that's my little soapbox rant for the day (laughs) if you're still here thanks for listening thank you so much for being a part of this community again check in anytime i do uh do love you guys and gals and um wishing you all the best wherever you are in the world stay safe stay healthy keep washing those hands much love and i'll see you next time peace